0: We're listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives. Inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Tonight we are honored to have a dear friend of mine, uh, one of my closest friends for many years, of 22 years, 23 years, um, Trevor Meyer, Trev, uh, came to Edmonton and uh, became my youth pastor years ago. I was the sound guy and he was the preacher. And uh, I thought I remember he came to the church that I was attending, and I saw this guy with blonde spiky hair and this dressed-up weird color shirt where he had like it was blue but then white. And he came from the states, so he looked cool and we didn't, and we didn't know what cool looked like. And and so I'm like, who is this guy? And I remember when up to him in the lobby of the church he was just visiting he wasn't even didn't even accept a job yet and i said so you're going to be the youth pastor and he just looked at me and i think at one time he said are you prophetic i'm like i don't know what that means and i had no idea i had no idea i just somehow like sized him up and thought he's going to be the youth pastor he ended up being the youth pastor and uh And we have traveled all over the world and and done some great stuff together. And so I'm honored uh, to have him speak tonight. And I want you to give a warm welcome to Trevor Meyer as he comes.
1: Thanks, Travi. Blonde spiky hair, huh? (laughs) The spikes are just a little shorter now, that's all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know that's crazy. I don't feel I don't feel that old, Travy. I don't know how old you feel, but I just don't feel that. It was twenty-two years ago. That's a long time ago, isn't it? Frosted tips. Frosted tips. Yeah, you got it. I used to spend tons of money on my hair. It's like such a waste. <laughs> <laughs> so one day they just said we're checking out. So I did. So I so I shaved my head. After we left, um, here, I'm gonna remove these. I'm not gonna preach these songs tonight. <laughs> Um, so I, yeah, so I, I woke up one morning, I thought, okay, it's done. We're just taking her down to the wood. Because I had a cul-de-sac going. Do so you know what a cul-de-sac is? You know when you drive in and there's a cul-de-sac, it's like that? I had one right here. <laughs> and so I, so then I shaved it off. And if you're, if you live life in the kingdom and you believe that, if you're any, if any, you have any bit of prophetic bent to your life at all, sometimes you find that just everything seems prophetic how many of you know what i'm talking about yeah. see that when you're driving down the road you're praying about something someone drives in front of you and their license plate is personalized and it says the word that you're just praying have you ever had that happen before no okay well anyway um one time we were driving along and we were just praying about some finances and uh this car pulled in front and it says jehovah jireh on, on the license plate so that kind of stuff I'm talking about. Anyway, so I woke up one morning, it would have been 2005 maybe, or five or six, something like that. Uh, and I thought, oh, I'm just gonna get a razor and I'm gonna take it down to the woods. So I just took a razor and did that. And uh, the next morning I got up and in the newspaper, in the entertainment section, there's a big statement that says, bald is sexy.
2: <laughs>
1: had a picture of Bruce Willis. And so I thought that was pretty cool. And the, our oldest, I think it was our oldest, Janelle, uh, she, she I, I don't know if it was Janelle or Sarah, which, whatever, one of the kids anyway, looked at me and burst into tears. <laughs> so, all right. Well, this is going to be interesting tonight. I'm honored to be here. I uh, appreciate uh, um, being able to come out. I'm on holidays right now, and uh, so I didn't have a lot of time to really you know lock in and really pray about stuff but i i do believe the lord wants to speak to us so what happened was i was praying about resurgence tonight um and i said lord i don't have a lot of time to really prepare and take like an allotted amount of time away to prepare but i know you're outside of time and space so you can do anything in a moment and i do believe i believe in preparation study the word and all that kind of stuff a lot of times I'll take hours and hours. A lot of times messages develop over weeks and sometimes even years. But um, anyway, so what happened was I had uh, two, well, I had one dream several months ago. And I felt that it was for resurgence, it was a part of it. And then when Travis asked if I'd speak, I said, yeah, I can speak. That'd be great. And I um, So last week, I don't know when you asked me, Travi, but anyway, shortly thereafter, um, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was preaching here at Resurgence in this room. It's kind of fun. I knew we were going to be in this room anyway because it was booked and everything else. Not that prophetic. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in the dream, so that I woke up, and I've learned this, and if if you're um, at all, you want to hear God speak, you need to start honoring when God speaks, and that would be things like writing down what he speaks. I've been through a lot of dreams where I'll have a dream and I'll I'll think, man, this is the Lord speaking. Like in the dream, I'm like, this is the Lord. I know it's the Lord. And then I'll I'll know in my knower, you should write this down or you should record it. And then I'm like, God, ah, I'll do it in the morning when I wake up. I'll just, you know, and then I'm like, fuzzing my mouth. I'll um, <laughs> what was what was he saying again? What was he saying? And I'll forget. So one of the things that one of the fathers faith in my life said to me he said you need to honor your dreams by writing them down or recording them a lot of people pray lord give us dreams give us vision give us whatever We want to hear your voice but then when he starts speaking you don't honor it by writing it down and recording it and oftentimes the opportunity of a lifetime needs to be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity so i wrote down so um, two times then it happened This last week, I was dreaming about this right here, right now. So in my, I'm just going to preach from a dream. (laughs) The only thing is, it was only like four or five words, so. (laughs) So we'll see where that goes, right? Might be quick. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. So what happened was, um, first of all, before resurgence, before we were... um, scheduled to be here at Resurgence tonight. Can I walk around a little bit, or is this camera, am I gonna, text some mean messages, put them on the Facebook thing if you can't see where we are, just see some, can you see me over here? Okay, all right, no, anyway, all right. uh, But I had this dream, in my dream, Travis and I were in India, I've been there um, uh, once or twice, I guess just once. Anyway, and we're in India and we were doing a conference for, uh, it was just packed with young and leaders, you. younger people such you. as yourselves. And uh, the theme of the conference was uh, "Harvest the Harvesters." And so, it, and then, and so this is—I don't know how long ago that was. I, I phoned you, I think, Trav, and I told you about it, it maybe a month ago, something like that. Um, and then I emailed my friend in, in um, India, told him about it. And but with this whole COVID thing that's going on, it's kind of hard. To, if you want to travel outside the country, you know how it goes. you got to isolate for 14 days afterward and all that stuff. So suddenly a two-week trip turns into, like, if you've got to isolate before you get you're looking at, like, a month and a half kind of thing, right? So that's not really ideal, less than ideal. And anyway, so the, but he, that was it. We, there were a, there was a room full of people, and, I, and the Lord was saying, the name of the thing was Harvest the Harvesters. And I felt in my heart that there's a season of harvest that we're coming into. It's all, it is upon us. But you need to be awake to it to experience it, and and um, so God is awakening hearts of people to be able to discern times and seasons. You mentioned that with the sons of Issachar, and it was all about harvesting harvesters. That that there, that we would that we would see a mass harvest in the earth. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. There are many prophecies about the billion soul harvest. I don't know if anyone ever heard of that. Anyone not heard of the Billion Soul Harvest? Give me a wave if you've not heard of it. Okay? Beautiful. Well, this us be good then. So anyway, so uh, there were, there was, and then, and then as I was praying about coming out here and, 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 um, preaching here tonight, there were three words that the Lord put in my heart, um, in this dream when I was preaching and I just wrote them down on my phone. Uh, if you're taking notes tonight, there are three words you can write down and then you can kind of ask Holy Spirit to dis- develop that in your own heart. The first word was desire, and it was about harvest. If you're going to experience something, there's got to be a desire for the very thing you're longing to experience. Okay? There's the fire of desire that has to be inside of all of us to step into the now season of God for that very thing. If you don't have a desire for it, chances are you're going to go around the mountain a few more times before you're going to experience it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart so in fact that even takes it a step farther if I delight myself in the Lord he'll give me what my heart desires because what happens is as I align my life with his life and we have this this synergy happening what happens is he puts his desires in my heart that I think are my desires and they are but he put them there in the first place so that's why he's saying I'll do the. I'll give you the desires of your heart some of you are just not living in fruitfulness or fulfillment because your desire is off, uh, out of calibration with what his desire is. And so that's that first one is desire. The second one was this discipline. And I'm like, oh, okay. Discipline. Uh, discipline speaking of the strategy for it. So harvest, we're talking about harvest. There's got to be a desire for harvest. There's got to be the discipline for harvest. In other words, not just arbitrarily going through life hoping that you just stumble into the blessing or stumble upon something, but there's a discipline, there's a strategy that also comes from the Lord so that you could live a life of harvest, okay? And then the the last one was dedication. Uh, Three Ds, triple D. And it was dedication. It's that stick-to-itiveness that says, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm dedicated to this. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna, what does it say in Galatians? It says, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time or due season, some translations say, due season, you'll reap a harvest if you faint not. I feel like some people are so close to stepping into the harvest, now I'm particularly talking about a harvest of souls, but you could be talking about a harvest in your life personally that you're believing God for. You believe God put a promise in your heart. I know that I prayed and walked with Travis for decades, believing and praying for the harvest of a spouse. And I'm not joking, I'm serious. And it was like, and 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 there was dedication there. And it was like, okay, we're not giving up, we're just gonna keep on, keeping on. And at times when when you know when you know that the the the, the proverb that says that uh, what does it say? I oh, know there's lots of them. <laughs> Pick one. No, the proverb that says that hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a dreamer' desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Um, I'm convinced now more than ever that there are people that if you could if you could shift your attitude into out of hope deferred and dwelling on the deferred hope, and start declaring things that aren't as though they are, and keep doing that, just dedication, just to keep doing that, you'll see that. Dream fulfilled, it'll be like a tree of life in your heart, in your life. Yeah, come on. Then there's, uh, yeah, there's so much more. But anyway, so let's go here. Matthew 9, let's go there. Go in your Bibles with me. Matthew chapter 9. It, well, here, I'll just throw over here then. I'm just going to throw some garbage out, okay? There you go. We'll get that later. All right, Matthew chapter 9. Verses 35 to 38, Jesus said this. It says he was going going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Verse 36, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. In verse uh, 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Okay? Now, uh, therefore, beseech the Lord... The lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest okay so notice that this issue here that Jesus is saying a lot of people think we need to raise up more harvesters we need to raise up more harvesters the issue here he tells us wasn't that it was a recruitment problem it was a deployment problem because he says there he says pray to the lord of the harvest to send out workers into his field or send out workers into the harvest right so it's a deployment issue it's a it's a it's the issue the issue here is the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few but he wasn't saying get a bunch more laborers he's saying no no pray to the lord of the harvest to send out the laborers see there's a difference okay and then in john 4 it says this john 4 34 and 35 Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are white for the harvest. So this is happening back in Jesus' day. So how much more white would harvest fields be then now, if you think about it? But I don't even really fo- want to focus on that. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you tonight, and I'm here to, what I believe, if, 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 I, if I do what I feel Holy Spirit wants me to do tonight, God is going to awaken in your heart a desire to be a harvester. It's going to be, to see harvest in, in the dreams that he's put in desires he's put in your heart, but also, even more so, for the harvest, for, for people to cross over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Yeah. 2 Samuel chapter 23, it says this, His story, he's talking about David's mighty men, and then it says there, Eleazar stood his ground, verse 10, and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. Wow. Now, some people say that his hand was so, he was so tired from, from wielding his sword that, that his hand cramped up and, and froze to it, you know, that was the deal. But but the deal was for for for, for in my in my head I'm thinking it was a supernatural thing. I think that God supernaturally fused his sword and he hung onto his sword so that he could he could defeat the enemy. I think it was a supernatural thing, but you can take it or leave it. It's interesting though, if you want to reap harvest, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to cling and cleave to the word of the Lord. The sword of the Lord. Ephesians 6, you know, the armor of God, da 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 one offensive weapon, the word of the Lord, or the, or the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the Lord. You know, the, it says that uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of the Lord, the now prophetically spoken word of God. It's not just about any word, it's about a word that God ignited in your spirit and said, <clears throat> and you cling to that word. And I know, I know that, that, that we've done that for years, Travis. We climb to that word, now the word sitting beside you. Jess, you're the word made flesh. I mean, that prophetic word, that's what it, yeah. Some of y'all are like, oh, what are you talking about?
2: <laughs>
1: heresy, heresy, yeah. Anyway, so, and then it goes on, though, to say this. It says that next to him, next to him uh, stood Shammah. And uh, when the Philistines banded together in a place, there, were, the, there, were, there was this place, it was a field full of lentils. Somebody say lentils. Also, uh, another, another passage that says it was barley, but whatever. It was, a, it was a field that was full. And it was in harvest season, actually. He took his stand in the middle of the field, and he defended it, and struck the Philistines down, for the Lord brought him a great victory. And after they had gathered, it says, after they um, had gathered, the Philistines were gathered in a troop. There was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the middle of the plot and defended it and struck them all. And there he brought a great victory. It's interesting that this field, this this field of lentils that Shammah stood to defend against the enemy and kill the enemy, it was the same field that you read about in Judges, where Samson defeated a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of, of an ass. It was the same field, historians tell us, the same area where David defeated Goliath. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I guess what I'm saying is God's eye is on the harvest. And he was standing there and he said, I I get it, it was the enemy around him and stuff. Some people like, well, it was just a coincidence. I think there was a prophetic meaning to that. And he's saying, God's saying, this actually, this particular plot of ground has some meaning to me right here. And it happened before. And it'll happen again. Defeated Goliath. Defeated, you know, Samson with the jawbone. Now you here with the, with the sword, Shaman, the spear. He, they're defending the harvest. And God wants to put a fighting spirit, a tenacious spirit inside of us so that we say, I'm going to fight for the harvest in my life. I will fight for what I feel God's promised me. It'll be personal, but it'll also be corporate. And I really, really, really wanna, wanna just emphasize tonight the fact that God wants to bring a harvest through resurgence, yeah. he does. I know it's about the, the whole ministry, I know a lot of times um, we're, not, you know, we, we're not doing mass crusades in Edmonton where we're seeing you know, thousands of people get saved, and I'm not saying that you know, that's gonna happen or not gonna happen. But God wants to put the spirit of the evangelist inside of each one of us. Stop giving this lame excuse, saying, "Well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not." All right. So his eyes on the harvest. Okay. Um, here's a, here's just some thoughts on this con- on this concept. Um, harvest is always a consequence of sowing. Harvest is a consequence. It's it, it's a it's a byproduct of something that had happened before and um i just felt the lord say so be careful what you sow yes. the seed you sow another another principle of harvest is the seed that you sow is not the same gain that you'll reap That's right. that's a fun thing isn't it yeah. but it goes for good and bad isn't it right what i'm sowing in my life if i'm sowing good seed if i'm sowing declaration prayer that is believing for something that I feel promised, promise or am I sowing doubt and unbelief and all this kind of stuff. See, whatever you sow, whatever you put out there, you're going to reap a harvest on that greater than what you've even sowed. Wow. Here's a thought. I'm living in a time and a season right now that I have the benefit of reaping harvest of prayers prayed 300 years ago. If I could learn to discern the time and the season and step in and step up and say, yeah, I'm going to go for it. I actually, I'm walking in the blessing of Hebrews chapter 11, all those that went before us. It says that they didn't fulfill, they didn't get the fullness of the fulfillment of what they were promised. Yeah. But that's, what, that's where we are right now. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, even here tonight, pressed in on every side. Come on. People don't reap the potential of their harvest because they don't understand that harvest is a process or a process. You, they don't reap the full potential because a lot of times, see when harvest time comes, it's a, there's a process to it and it takes time and, and, and there's gotta be a stick-to-itiveness to say, I'm gonna keep on going, I'm gonna keep on harvesting, I'm gonna keep on, Did anyone, has anyone here been involved in the agricultural industry at all, anybody? Yeah, a couple people. I grew up on a farm, so I know, I, I, I love this. I love, har- harvest is a great season. And the way it works is when it's harvest time, all hands on deck, you're just going till you till you can't go anymore. You go until it's done. It might mean really long days. Sometimes it might be short days because if, if the dew is heavy and you can't harvest that night. But there's a smell in the air at harvest time. It's an amazing smell. You can smell it. You can drive by fields if you know it enough. You can drive by the field with your eyes closed and you can smell if they're harvesting barley or canola or flax or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I, I, I believe that God wants to awaken us to our senses, to awaken our spirits, to smell the harvest that's upon us. That we would discern the times and the seasons and say yes i'm going to shr- i'm going to throw off discouragement i'm going to throw off despair i'm going to throw off the lack and i'm going to accept and say yes i'm ready for harvest lord use me in harvest in jesus name people don't reap the full potential of the harvest because they don't understand that harvest is a process here's another thought the the barn capacity for your seed is smaller than the barn capacity of the harvest. Well, that's a novel thought, T-Dog. Wow, that's so profound. (laughs) Because your harvest is a process, you must do all that you can to increase the capacity of your life to reap your harvest. I'm convinced that some people aren't reaping harvest because they haven't prepared their lives to receive the harvest yet. You've been praying and asking for God for things. And God, I believe it's your will and your promise for me to have this. But your life actually isn't ready to receive the greatness of what he has for you yet. Could it be that the delay that you're experiencing right now does not mean he's denied it coming? Could it be that maybe the delay that you're experiencing right now is saying, You got to understand something. I'm processing something in you. Your life right now can't contain the promise fulfilled. So why don't you focus on preparing yourself now for the harvest that I have for you? Oh, well, it's never going to happen. I just can't believe it myself. It's not going to happen. I mean, I've seen other people get breakthrough. They always get breakthrough. I never get breakthrough. Stop grumbling and complaining. I'm smiling, so you
2: don't think I'm mad at you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not mad at you. Sometimes I like to lay hands on some people and just slap the silly out of them, you know, the stupid out of them. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to what you're saying. You're sowing seed right now. Did you realize that the most powerful seed sower that you have is in your mouth? Ah, it's your tongue. What you're saying, you're sowing all the time. All the time your mindset and your thoughts the thoughts of your hearts are the dimensions of your barn proverbs four twenty-three says keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life another word for issues is our dimensions above all guard your heart above all keep your heart keep your heart right in the middle of discouragement, keep your heart sweet. Stay sweet because out of it flow the issues or the dimensions of your life. So judging on how, how your heart's doing, your heart checkup right now will also determine the size of the barn for your harvest, the capacity for you to receive what God has for you. Whew. <sighs> Some people in churches are always talking about sowing but little about reaping because they haven't grown developed or expanded or extended the barn of their mindset To receive the concept that they can reap This is a word for resurgence Isaiah 54, 2-3 to three. Enlarge your house, build an addition Spread out your home For soon you will be bursting at the seams Amen. I don't need to say thus saith the Lord He did say it right there It's legal, it's, it's in the word So this first principle then is just that Harvest is a consequence. We're always going to reap what we sow. Um, when it comes time to reaping, though, once harvest is upon us and we start reaping, it's too late to build the extensions. Mm, yeah. So I think it would behoove us now to pray and ask the Lord personally, Lord, how, where in my life do you need me to expand, to grow, to be able to receive what you want to release in my life? And then also in the terms of harvest outward. So this is kind of twofold, you see. It's, it's also, it's for me personally, but it's also for, you know, us corporately as well as resurgence being here in, in, in Alberta's capital, okay? All right, now go with me to Luke chapter five. You guys okay? Yeah. Luke chapter five. This is a cool story. And um, in Luke chapter five, Now, it occurred right at the top of the chapter, well, it occurred while the people were um, pressed upon Jesus to hear the message of God. He was standing by by the Sea of Galilee. And when he saw two boats drawn up in the lake, the fishermen had gone down from them, um, but the fishermen had gone down from them and they were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats that belonged to Simon Peter, he requested to be drawn away a distance from the shore. And he sat down and continued to teach. The crowd of people from the boat and when he stopped speaking he said to Simon Peter put out your nets into the deep and lower your nets for a haul Simon Peter said master we toiled all night exhaustingly and we've caught nothing in our nets but now on the ground of your word somebody say word I will lower the nets again see they were already they were already wrapping it up washing their nets it's a big job and so now they're, they're it's like seriously I'm gonna have to do this again now Okay, you know what? At your word, I will. I think Peter was doing here what Eliezer did in in Samuel. He was clinging clinging to a word. He said, okay, I'm going to use this word. I'm going to take your word. Here we go. Let's go. And so he says that at your word. So they did it. It says there in verse 9, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were at the point of breaking. What does your translation say there in that verse? What does it say? Their nets began to tear. Yeah, the nets began to tear, the nets began to break, okay? So they're, they're going out, doing what they're doing. What They're harvesting fish. That's their livelihood. They're doing that, and they're not, reasing, they're not receiving or reaping a harvest. Jesus comes along and says, okay, a little deeper. Okay, at your word we will. So they go out, and what happens? It says there, it says that their nets, they hold in such a harvest that their nets began to break. Wow. Then it goes on to say, um, it says there in verse number seven that it says, and then they, then they signaled to their partners in, other, in the other boat to come and, and help with them, and they came and they filled both boats, somebody say both boats, so they began to sink, now the boats are sinking, so the nets are breaking and the boats are sinking. And Now, think about that for a minute in context of us. Okay, can you imagine? I know Resurgence is, I know Resurgence is a, a ministry uh, of multiple people from multiple churches, right? Even, yea, verily, multiple denominations, right? We all focus on Jesus and we go for Jesus together. I think it's beautiful. So, can you imagine if God started moving in such a way in our region here, the capital region, where my church had so much fish coming in I had to call the guy down the street to say, hey, can you help us out here? We got so many fish we don't know what to do with. And my boat's kind of sinking here. Could you help me out? And so he'd get his boat and he'd start bringing them in. I had a friend, this is several years ago, and he'd he'd do these crazy things to me. He said, Trev, what would you do if 25,000 people got saved tomorrow in our city? Well, there's a thought. Think about that for a minute. We we talk about harvest. We pray for revival, revival, all this kind of stuff. God bless it all. Are we prepared for what God wants to do? Is my lifestyle, my current lifestyle, prepared for the harvest that God wants to bring me? And so they're at this point here where their boats are sinking and their nets are breaking. Now go with me to a very similar story, but it's a completely different story. Let's go to John 21. In John 21, now Jesus, this is post-resurrection, and uh, Jesus is there, and he's, he's, he's sitting out on the beach, and uh, let's back up the bus and see where we want to start this off. Well, let's go to verse 3. Simon Peter said to him, I'm going fishing, and they said, okay, we're coming with you. So they went down and got in the boat, and throughout that night, they caught nothing. Morning had already been breaking when Jesus came to the beach and stood there. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. For Jesus said to them, boys, children, do you have any meat? Uh, You don't have any meat with you, do you? In other words, you've caught nothing, you know? And they said, no. Like, who is this clown that's rubbing it in like that? Like, seriously. Like, we're professional fishermen. And he's just digging us here, you know? But they don't know it's Jesus, right? And And then he goes on and he says, um... And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you're going to find some. So they cast the net and they were not able to haul it in because it was such a big uh, mass or quantity of fish. Then, this is funny. You guys, I love this kind of stuff. It's pretty funny. I'm going to get into the light here because I don't have my glasses on. (laughs) Get a better light. Oh, there we go. Wow, now it's like glowing. Okay, here we go. I just think this is really funny. It says, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, Don't you find that funny? Who's writing the book? John is. He's like, this guy, the the disciple that Jesus loved. That's me. Said to Peter, that's you. I think it's so funny. (laughs) Who loves, who loves, uh, you know, who who does Jesus love the most? Well, it's this guy right here, right? You know. Anyway, so (laughs) I just think it's, beautiful literature okay
2: <laughs>
1: and then the then so then John says to Peter it's the lord and Simon Peter hearing him say that it was the lord pulled up his upper garment his fisherman's coat for he was stripped for work and he sprang into the sea without hesitation he just jumped out and ran to Jesus isn't that cool and then it says, the other disciples came in their small boat. They weren't far from shore, only 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. When they got on land, they saw the fire and the coals, and there was fish lying on it, cooking and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the, the net to land full of large fish 153 of them. Not wild. Like why did they put that number in there? I don't know. I did think it was kind of cool one plus five plus three is nine nine being a number of holy spirit i think it's kind of neat but you can take it or leave it anyway comes in there and he says it pulls him pulls him in and they what does it say that in verse, the last part of verse 11 somebody read this to me that would be one of you guys the one that jesus loves the most <laughs> what does it say it says okay yeah it says 153 verse 11 153 of them of full fit large fish 153 of them, there were so many of them, whoa, yet the net was not broken, so now, so that tells me something happened, see, anytime Jesus does a miracle in your life, I personally believe it's, it's to teach us and to grow us and develop us, so that when I experience a breakthrough in my life, then I'm going to be like, whoa, okay, Jesus did that in my life. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to build on the foundation of the very thing that Jesus did that I was believing for so that the next time something comes along, I'm going to be able to step right into it and not experience any loss or lack. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So in in, in Luke chapter 5, their nets are breaking, their boats are sinking, but they clued into the fact that if they stick to Jesus' word and do what he says, it's always going to be bigger and better than I thought it could be. So what did they do? They prepared from Luke chapter 5 to John chapter 21. There was preparation that took place so that when it happened again, if it happened again, I'm not going to be sitting here waiting for this harvest to take place. My barn's going to be ready. I just have a question for you this evening. Is your barn ready for what Jesus wants to do in your life? Is your barn ready? Is your life ready for the harvest that Jesus wants to bring into your life? Let's just think about let holy spirit just speak to our hearts right now where in my life right now do i need to adjust some things to make room for you to move he doesn't want to just rearrange the furniture in your life he wants to kick down some walls he wants to he wants to break some things out he wants to like full-on renovation uh, it was funny, I was speaking one time at this, at this place It was a Mennonite church, this is really funny it was, It's the oldest Mennonite brethren church in Canada And they asked me to come preach there And I was preaching there And in the message I got a little excited And I just started speaking in tongues <laughs> And, and they, one of the elders came up to me after And said, do you realize uh, you're the first person In the history of this church It was over 100 years old that's spoken in tongues in the pulpit. And I'm like, oh, okay, well,
2: perfect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was interesting. Um, there was a couple there, and I saw this couple, and I prophesied over them from the platform. And I, I wasn't even talking about this kind of stuff, but I, I said, you've prepared your lives for what God wants to do. In fact, I would even encourage you to build onto your house because of what God wants to do, like physically. Build an addition, and this this lady, she's hitting her husband, they're kind of laughing and carrying on and stuff, and they're in the middle of this massive renovation on their house to expand it because of what they felt God wanted to do, bringing people in and caring for people and all this kind of stuff. Really cool, eh? So, <laughs> so but, uh, but, but what is your life right now, my life right now? Am I ready for what God wants to do, how God wants to move my life? Because once, you see, when you live ready, you don't have to get ready. Because when harvest is upon us, you need to be ready. Farmers don't prepare for the harvest the week before the, the grain starts turning so they can get out in the harvest. They're, they're preparing way back in the summertime. Yes. Uh-huh. Seed goes in the ground, start making preparations for harvest. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What if we lived our lives like that in the kingdom? What if we actually lived our lives like that? And I, I'm here tonight to call you, to, to, to tell you that, that, that there's a harvest upon us.
2: Yes.
1: It's already, it's been upon us, but it's upon us. And it's coming upon us, okay? It was, it is, and it will be. Kind of the nature of God, yeah? If you knew what God wanted to do in your life, you prepare for it, do you have a big enough boat for what God's about to do? See, a lot of people say, well, I'm just going to have faith for that. I'm going to have faith, you know, when it happens, I'll be ready because I have faith for it. Faith always prepares, Just read your Bible, okay? Jesus' first miracle, he's about to to do a miracle, and he says, okay, I'm going to need some water pots. Bring me those water pots. So what do they do? They prepare. They go and get the water pots, and they bring them to him right now, right? How about this one? Read Hebrews 11, all these men and women of faith. I think it's amazing. Noah builds a boat for 100 years because of a word that the Lord gave him. You got a harvest coming, Noah. This is going to happen, and here's what I'm going to use you. I want you to do this. So he was he was called a man of faith because he prepared for something that he didn't have a concept of what it would look like. Yeah. They didn't have that kind of stuff happening in the world that day. Rain like that? Like, seriously? Boats, rain, what, what? So he goes out, and he's amongst the ridicule and amongst the persecution and amongst the naysayers and everybody, everything else, he goes out and he prepares. Faith will always prepare Oh, I'm believing for something big. Well, show me how you're believing for something big. What are you doing right now to make room for what God has? Yeah. I'm convinced that many, many times we totally, we don't step into the breakthrough. We don't step into the harvest because we're not even ready for it. Yeah. Jesus is saying, I'd love to do this in your life. I'd love to. Why don't you prepare for it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, let's keep going here. Um, I don't know if I shared this story before when I was here with you guys, but I wanted to bring it in here. Um, my friend in India, Finial, he's a sweet man. Yes, he is. <laughs> and I asked him, I'm like, why do you do that, Finial? He says, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, this is funny it is funny because in canada some people get offended by that they like think it's not politically correct you go to india and they make fun of you the way you talk and you make fun of, you know like it's just like yeah it's no big deal <laughs> anyway so for all you who are offended all of you who are offended then just deal with with the holy spirit i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway so you know, uh, he's my friend and he goes and um the lord appears to him this is the guy, shut me down if I've already told you this story at resurgence, but this is a guy that five to seven days a week, Jesus appears at the end of his bed and talks to him face to face. <laughs> I stayed in his house. <laughs> I said, Finiel, what time does he usually come?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so
1: usually between three and six in the morning. I'm like, perfect, When he's done with you. Send him to my bedroom and I want him would love that. That'd be great. Anyway, stayed there for several nights. Didn't happen, but what did happen, this is cool. What did happen is the very first time it happened was um, I was supposed to preach in his church and uh, the night before I was gonna preach in his church, um, I had a dream and in the dream I was preaching the message I had. And it was the whole message and, and, he, and it was really kind of fun so anyway but so he the Lord visits him and he gets saved and the Lord says I want you to go to
2: university and I want you to uh, you know I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a
1: degree so okay in, in India education is a big deal and that sort of thing especially where he came from one of the poorest areas in India and um, a rat infested just little huts out in the middle of nowhere and so what did he do when he got the word of the lord for the harvest on his life he said uh okay i will that's the first thing to harvest whatever you're believing for in your life the first thing is to say yes and agree with what god's saying that's like give god your yes that's a big 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 deal that's just kind of 101 for us but anyway so he says yes to the lord and somehow i know it's such a coincidence but somehow god spoke to somebody else and said You need to pay for him to get to, I forget which city it was, whether it was Delhi or where it was, to get to university somehow. So anyway, so he gets prepared to to go to university and the Lord speaks to him and says, I want you to challenge the exams, all the exams for the degree. I don't want you to go to any classes. I don't want you to study any books. I don't want you to read anything. I just want you to to go challenge all the exams. (laughs) So he goes, he goes to, he, he, gets, he gets his ticket, he gets to, gets to this place and apparently it was, I don't know if they still do this or not, but there was a period of um, 20 days or some three weeks almost or something where you could challenge the, the, the exams and it was a certain period of time and you go through that each day, you go and write something else, write something else. So he shows up to go write, the, and the Holy Spirit said to him, he said, hey, he said, don't have to study, listen to me, I'll speak to you and I'll tell you what to write. Okay, don't study, don't crack a book. I'm like, lay hands on me, I'd love that in <laughs> So he goes in, gets his first exam, I don't know if it was economics or something, and never studied anything about economics. And he opens up the paper to start his exam, and he just freezes up. He's like, I, like this means nothing to me, seriously. So he shuts it up and he goes to his room, packs up his one little suitcase, goes and gets on the bus and leaves. While he's driving out, out of the university area and heading out of town, leaving what God had called him to, the Lord spoke to him and he said, so like Jonah, you're gonna run? <laughs> <laughs> so he stopped the bus, pulled down his suitcase, went back in, and he said, I told you, he said, let me tell you how to write this stuff. And so what he did was he yielded to to Holy Spirit for the next 20 days or whatever it was. And when he went in and wrote, And he wrote and he challenged all the exams and he passed with high high marks without ever studying without ever going to a class he got his degree (laughs) see he 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 prepared for what god had promised him see then he went to bible college and in bible college he um he saw in a vision three gold medals they would give out these medals awards for certain um achievements and he saw these three gold medals and the deal was, the, the, he was having a hard time with Bible school because it was in English. It was the, it's the second largest Assemblies of God college in the world. It's in, uh, in India. And so he goes to Bible college and he's having a hard time because he doesn't speak very good English, doesn't understand things. Like the, the, the cards are stacked against them, the deck's stacked against them, And he's, he's trying to get there and he starts failing out, goes to the first semester, is failing out has a meeting with the dean, the dean says, okay, if you don't improve your grades, you're gonna get, you know, we can't keep you going here, right? Yeah, but I had that word, I had that promise that I was gonna get three gold medals, one was for academic achievement. How does this all work? So he started to fast and pray, and he fasted and he prayed, and he'd go to the prayer chapel and he'd pray. The Lord showed him a picture of a guy that he went to class with, and he said, I need you to, you go to him, get his notes, study his notes, read his notes, and um, you'll be okay. So what does he do? He goes and he reads his notes, doesn't speak much English, but everything's in English. So he goes and he reads his notes, and the Holy Spirit downloads it into him. So then when he writes his own paper and writes his exams, he's writing in English. He doesn't even know what he's saying. Wow. So he gets a gold medal for academic achievement. <laughs> then in, the, in that same year, he gets another gold medal for evangelism. Because he'd go out in the streets. He'd just go out and talk to people and share with people and... and um, he i forget how many people got saved there were there were it was like 62 people in one semester on the streets, just going out sharing faith with jesus and that sort of thing and at that time it was the largest number in the history of the college they celebrated they gave him a gold medal so all these different things but here's my point so with him what he does is he prepares his life for what god wants to do so when jesus comes and stands at the end of his bed and tells him things um, tells him what his day is going to look like, what's going to happen throughout the day, who he's going to meet and that sort of thing. He'll prepare at home before he goes out into the, you know, wherever he's going. He prepares at home so he's ready, you see? One day it might, might mean I'm going I'm to throw an extra Bible in my bag because this guy, I'm going to meet this guy and he's going to want a Bible so I'm going to give him a Bible, okay? One day it might be I'm going to take some extra money along because I'm going to get this money. The time that we were there, we were going to go for coffee. He says, yeah, we need to go to that coffee shop. Because the Lord showed me there's going to be a guy and he's going to look like this and he'll, he's going to show up in the coffee shop and we're going to share Jesus with him. I'm like, cool. So we go there. Sure enough, this guy comes in. And he oh, that's the guy. Excuse me. Goes up and shares Jesus with the guy. We love hearing stuff like that. I love hearing things like that. But I want to tell you, if we would only prepare ourselves now, expand our capacity to receive what God wants to do through us, You can talk about, oh, I'm going to do this one day. I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to do this one day. God's called me to that one day. Oh, he's called me to do this one day. What about right now? What are you doing right now to prepare for that day? Because the season is coming upon us. In fact, you can actually, I, I personally believe that you can, well, I don't know how I should say this. You I, let's just put it this way. I don't, want to say, I don't want to say anything that would get Travis in trouble. So, Because he's going to have to deal with all the heresy I share. So. <laughs> I believe that you can, by faith, um, like I believe in the sovereignty of God and I believe in the faith of God. I'm kind of a Calvinianist. Okay. This is just, And you're powerful to believe what you want. But I, I, this is my personal belief, okay? This is not the belief of resurgence or whatever. I believe that my response in faith can speed up or slow down sometimes the timeline of the Lord. I just personally believe that. I, but anyway, we're, we don't need to get into that. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: See, there, there are two words. There are two words for, for time in Greek. One is chronos or chronos and one is... Kairos. And the word chronos means like chronological time, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like that, linear. Kairos means the now appointed time, the due season time. You know, where I talked about Galatians, you know, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap a harvest. That's that Kairos moment. And so what happens in a Kairos moment of time with the Lord, what in the natural should take weeks or months or years Happens in a moment. That's right. Like that. Yeah. And I think the thing about the sons of Issachar, they discern the times and seasons so they could prepare and align themselves with God's Kairos times. So they could understand and say, boom, yeah, okay, now. So that's just a personal thing. I got, I got a whole other thing on that. I'm not gonna get into it. But let me just focus on this. I'll just I'll just throw this out there because many of you haven't heard this prophecy of the billion soul harvest. What time is it? Time to be done. Okay. Thanks a lot guys. It's been great. See you later. (laughs) Seriously. Okay. Um, anyway, there's a, there's a, a prophet, uh, quite an eccentric prophet. Um, and, uh, he prophesied this. In 1983, he prophesied this. Bob Jones prophesied this. He said that there's, there's coming a harvest of, of people. Many times he prophesied this. There's a coming a harvest on the earth where people are gonna be saved. Like like it's it's gonna it's not even it's like they talk they call it revival, but it's even to me it's even like bigger than revival. It's like it's just a whole reformation of the world. I mean, it's like a kingdom domination thing. And uh, anyway, he prophesied this. He said in 1983, he said there were three things he prophesied. Number one, America is gonna have a develop a pill. That if a if a if a girl becomes pregnant, she can take this pill, and then it'll abort the baby like the next day. We call it the morning after pill. At that time, it hadn't it had not been invented. Then the second thing he said, this is going to happen. He said, um, America will legalize same sex marriage, which was completely unthinkable at the time, 1983. Um, and then the third thing was that there was going to be a watch invented, that people could uh, watch on their on their on their watch, uh, that laborers working in the rice paddies in China could watch and listen to worship music. Isn't that funny? And so anyway, so this, this happened. This, he prophesied that. We all know obviously those things are, he passed away Valentine's Day 2014. Um, but all those things have taken place. Um, there's, another, there's another prophecy I, I, I want you to hear about and you can Google it, look it up on your own. It's one that's really impacted my life personally. Uh, Tommy Hicks, has anyone ever heard of Tommy Hicks? Okay, check out Tommy Hicks, he was an evangelist. Really cool, he was a radical evangelist. He was instrumental in birthing revival in Argentina. And so, um, he, the Lord spoke to his heart. He said, I want you to go to Argentina. You're gonna meet a man, this is his name, and you're gonna pray for him, and he's gonna give you a stadium to have crusades, evangelism. I wanna do a, I I wanna have a harvest in Argentina. So he hops on the airplane, books his ticket, he prepared, he hopped on the plane and actually acted on the word. So he hops on the plane and he's flying to I guess it was Buenos Aires and he says, um, the you know, this flight attendant comes by and oh, you know, you're in pleasure business, whatever. He goes, Yeah, I'm on business. Oh, what are you doing? He goes, Well, oh, I'm going to meet somebody. And she says, Oh, yeah, okay. And then he just blurts out his name is blah, 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 blah. I can't remember what the name was at the time. Anyway, she says, that's our president.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, really? Oh, okay, so yeah. I, she goes, well, who are, who, what, what's, how, what's, what's going on? Who are you that you're going to have a meeting? And he, he, he said, well, the Lord told me that uh, I would talk to this man and he would give me the stadium to rent for evangelism uh, crusade that we're going to have. I just said evangelism, yeah, <laughs> evangelism. And so, 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 sure enough, he lands there. He goes to the, you know, the, whatever they call it, they call like the White House or whatever, the, the place where the president hangs out, goes there, shows up, security guard says, uh, can I help you? He says, yeah. He says, I want to see the president, please. He's <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? He says, do you have an appointment with him? I don't see your name on the list here or anything. You don't have any scheduled thing. Um... Because the president at that time had not been meeting or appearing in public for months and months because he had such a skin condition of psoriasis that uh, he was embarrassed to go out in public even. And um, so the security says, no, you don't have an appointment. Well, just like that then, the Lord spoke to Tommy's heart about this security guard. And he says, "Um, you've got this condition in your body. And he names a condition in his body. He says, I believe Jesus wants to heal you. Can I pray for you? So he took the guy by the hand and just prayed for him, a simple prayer, boom, power of God hits the guy. He's down on the ground, completely healed, but he has no clue what's going on because this has never happened before to him. And then he comes to and he gets up and he goes, what just happened? Well, then he led him to Jesus. Tommy looks at him and he says, I'll be back tomorrow. I'm gonna see the president. So he goes and leaves the place. Uh, in, the, in the meantime, in between time, the security guard went in to the president and told the president what just happened. And so then when Tommy showed up the next day, he said to the security guard, he says, I'd like to see the president, please. And he goes, yeah, he's asking for you. (laughs) So he goes to see the president, walks in in his office there in the room, and he's covered in psoriasis and everything else, grabs him by the hand, prays for him, and his skin becomes like that of his youth. He says, what can I do for you? he said, well, I, 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 the Lord told me that you'd give me the stadium for a crusade. And so he says, yeah, you can have it. Anything you want, you can have it. So, 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 the, 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 I would call that legit. That's just what I would call that, okay? But understand that it takes somebody that says, I'm going to live my life prepared so I can step into and walk into what God wants for me and has for me. Sit back and sit at home and say, yeah, I'm gonna go meet, I'm gonna meet this person in Argentina someday. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this, but it looks <laughs> funny. <laughs> I'm gonna meet this person in Argentina someday, you know? Yeah, great. Right. Tell everyone about, it. yeah, I got this word. Yeah, I want to go off. Doesn't that buck you sometimes though, Travis, when everyone comes up no, I got this word, you won't believe it, boy. I... I'm like, great, what are you doing with it? Anyway, okay, stay sweet. Here we go. So <laughs> So the deal is though, he acted on it. He went on it. And so then that that actually birthed the revival in Argentina that we've seen over decades and decades and decades now impacting and influencing the world. So in 1961, July 25th, 1961, he had a dream. And in his dream, he saw this giant. and, And the way I picture it, has anyone ever seen, what's that book, Gulliver's Travels? Anyone ever read the book, Gulliver's Travels? I love that book. Anyway, he had a vision almost like Billover's Travels where there's this giant and it's, it's it's stuck to the ground and it can't get up. And just to summarize it really, really quickly, the giant was the picture of the church. And the Lord was saying there's going to be a mass harvest coming, but the church isn't ready. And this giant would try to get up. And every time it would get up, it would try to rise up. Uh, this this uh, hideous creatures would like scurry out from it and this kind of thing. And then suddenly, finally after some time, the giant, this happened three times, um, 1961. Cool thing it was, he, he had this vision, this, This. Um, I believe he's American uh, evangelist, while he was in Winnipeg, Canada. Right in the center of Canada. So I just take that as, this is Canada's claim in Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Come on. So, he, so anyway, finally this this giant stood up and it, and it, it reached into uh, the heavens. And then the glory of the Lord just began to drip off this giant and the giant melted down into the earth. And the, the whole summary of the, of the story was there's a harvest coming in the earth that is so large that it's not going to be one ministry or one church or this. It's going to be all hands on deck. It's going to be this ministry. It's going to be bring the boats, bring the guys over, help us with this catch. It's going to be so massive. But the church needs to prepare for it now. That was in 1961 prophesied bob jones prophecy 1983 even a- other times after that too talked about he prophesied the incurable uh, homosexual disease is what he called it at the time long before aids was ever a thing all these different things all these different signs and pointers and, 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 and directional words saying this is going to happen and this is going to happen you're going to know that this is going to happen because you'll see this in the natural and then this will happen yeah. are you hear what i'm saying yeah. The Lord said to Jeremiah, What do you see? Jeremiah said, I see an almond branch and it's budding. The Lord said, You see very well. See, the interesting thing was, it wasn't the season for budding in the, in the, in the, in the almond farming at that time when he, this whole thing took place. It was winter season, it was a cold season. And he says, what do you see? And he said, I see this thing budding. I see life coming out of this thing right now. And then it says, then then the Lord goes on to say, you need to understand something. You see well. And he said, guess what? I am watching over my word to perform it. And you know what that word watching means? It means I am awake to my word to perform it. I believe God wants to awaken our hearts for the words that the Lord has on our lives so that he can perform it. So that my awakeness in my spirit saying, yes, I'm preparing now for what's gonna come. I'm preparing right now to step into it so I don't have to get ready because I already am ready. I believe that God's awake over his word over your life. Maybe you're just not awake to it yet. One of the things the Lord said to me maybe I talked about it a few months, a couple months ago. He said this to me. He said, Trev, do you believe what I believe about you? Ask yourself that question as if the Lord's asking it to you right now. Do you believe what God believes about you? I can believe, what was your name again? Kimmy. I can believe for Kimmy of course God's going to use Kimmy. I can even prophesy over Kimmy, you know? Oh, God's got good things for you, da 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 And, uh, but sometimes, or someone can prophesy that over me, and I'm like, I can believe it for you, and I can believe it for you, and I can believe it for you, but I have a hard time believing it for me. You ever have that happen? Or am I the only one? <laughs> right? And I, I believe that, I believe, I believe that God wants us To believe what he believes about us so that we can receive what he says about us. Karis why don't you come on up and team you guys all can come on up, that'd be great. Another thing concerning this massive harvest, there have been many prophecies about um, Billy Graham and uh, that when Billy Graham passed and graduated into glory that the mantle that he carried for evangelism would not just be passed to one person, but it would rest on many. It was like seed, harvest. Seed, Billy, put in the ground. Harvest, others rising up to go for it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Same thing was said about Bob Jones. It's amazing the 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 prophet Bob Jones were... He would, he would have crazy, amazing uh, encounters with the Lord and the Lord show him all kinds of stuff. Same, same thing, was the same principle, that he would be a seed that would go in the ground and that it wouldn't be that one person would flow the way he flowed, but that prophetic mantle would rest on a generation. We don't need to call ourselves prophets to be prophetic. Come on. And uh, I just feel like God tonight. I I really believe He wants to awaken our hearts yes. to what He's what He's calling us to. I got so much more. There's so many more. I got just probably like six or eight other prophecies of harvest coming. Harvest coming. they um, work. Are you ready? Are you ready for the harvest that the Lord has for your life personally? And then corporately in in life, did I tell you guys my hot tub story? <laughs> that sounds really good, eh? Who wants to hear a hot tub story? So we had uh, we had a hot tub. Don't have it anymore. Sad, yeah. When we moved out here, uh, we sold it with the property. Anyway, um, had this hot tub, and um, I felt like the Lord was talking to me about harvest. I mean, He's always He's always about the harvest, but that for you i don't want to okay he um i have a hot tub and my neighbor i see you need to understand how does let's just get real practical right now what does it look like for me personally to prepare for harvest okay how many live in an apartment Lift your hand okay so to live in an apartment would be to prepare for harvest would be maybe get to know your neighbors You see somebody you start carrying their heart carry them in your heart then when you see they've got a need for something or whatever then you can just step out and bless them and just be Jesus to them what would it look like if you said I'm the pastor of this apartment block how many live in a house I don't know where the rest of you live how many live under a bridge I don't know <laughs> we got apartments and houses what else how about a van down by the river okay anyway <laughs> But, seriously, right? It's like an apartment house. So in your house then, how about, how about your neighbor next to you on, on the left or the right? If you actually believe that God wants to use you in harvest, wouldn't it make sense then to prepare by, hey, get to know the neighbors? Like they're right there, right? They're like right there. So I, I living on this acreage and there were two other acreages on our little drive there. And I'd known my one neighbor for, for many years when he was a little kid. Long story short, um, I went by his house, and and um, I just said, uh, he said to me, he said, hey, he said, uh, could my brother-in-law and I come over for a hot tub later tonight? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Come on over. I'm home alone. And Mel's working, and we'll just be hanging out with my brother-in-law's there too. And so we'll be hanging out. Yeah, come on over. So he comes over later that night, and we're sitting in the hot tub, and he comes. He's got a backpack, and he uh, goes and changes and comes out, and then he he says, "Hey, do you mind if I do you mind if I smoke?" And I'm like, "No," I said, "As long as you don't get your dirty ash in the tub."
2: That was a joke. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Seriously, who wants
1: a dirty ash in your hot tub? Really? You know what I'm saying? Right? If I could- <laughs> Yeah, why not? Do you know how you trap a bear? You want to hear? How you, we had bears. I haven't shot a bear on a property and stuff. Uh, we had bears. Do you, know how you, do you know how you trap a bear? Can I tell you how to trap a bear? Okay, real simple. You can either call the, you know, the C.O. Conservation Officer, they'll bring a trap out, it looks like a barrel, got a gate, put some rotten meat in, it comes in, the gate closes, they haul it away, it's done. Or, Karis, what you could do to trap a bear is you can dig a hole. I just skid steer so you dig a hole, it's real easy, it's good. Dig a big hole, light a fire in the hole, burn burn a bunch of wood in the hole, leave the ash in the hole, just leave all the ash there. And then for whatever reason, I think it's because they're so sweet, you take those green giant green peas and put them around the whole perimeter of the hole. Right. So when the bear comes out those frozen peas, so when the bear comes out to take a pee, you kick him in the (laughs) asshole. Yeah. (laughs) You shut my mic off. You shut my mic off. So, my friend says, yeah, we we'll over, okay, kind of smoke, yeah, okay, just don't get ash in my tub, great, perfect. So, he pulls out a doobie. This is before weed was legal in Canada. And so, he's, he's like, he sparks up and I'm going, oh great, this is really good. Like,
2: I'm
1: not, I'm not super religious, but I do try to abide by law, you know what I'm saying? Like, the laws of the land. And I'm just thinking in my head, okay, this is, you know, work at this school. Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. Here's what he said. He said, your hot tub just became your fishing boat.
2: Wow. wow.
1: So I said, I said, uh, and so he's, you know, hitting on this thing, he goes, you want to hit? And I'm like, no, I'm good, thanks. And um, so anyway, so that was the end of that story. That's the hot tub story. I loved it. However, two weeks later, two weeks later, Two weeks later, he, uh, he comes by, on am barbecuing chicken on the barbecue, and he drives in and he gets out of his truck and by now I've sown seed and I've shared things, and I believe that the seed I sow will reap a harvest, you see, and I'm not going to grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, due season, it just so happened to be two weeks later was a due season, and he drives up and he, he comes in and he looks at me and he goes, do you got a second, T-Dog? And I said, yeah, I'm just cooking some chicken, he goes, he goes, And these are the words out of his mouth. This is a pre-believer, not a believer, doesn't have background in lots of Christianese. He says this, he says, I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to live the way God wants me to live. (laughs) All because I let a guy smoke a joint in my hot tub. Could it be that your lifestyle right now looks a lot like what you think God wants it to look like but is really only a religious form that is keeping the lost away from harvest. my sometimes like it doesn't always fit my paradigm i think that the reason the, the disciples got bigger boats and stronger nets is because they had a paradigm shift and they said you know what we're going to actually change something in our life in our lifestyle i'm going to prepare for what god wants to do now i'm not saying i don't need to tell you this but i wanted to tell you this it's not the same for everything over and over and over again are you hearing what i'm saying the point is, do what Holy Spirit tells you to do in the moment. Don't let your lifestyle of religious tradition stop you from entering into due season with somebody. Okay? Simple obedience. So, Holy Spirit, even now we ask you, what is it that you're calling us to do? How are you how are you calling me to prepare for what you wanna do in my life and harvest. Lord, I'm here to harvest harvesters tonight. Lord, I pray for a deployment of harvesters. I will prophesy over resurgence and say that there's creativity that's coming to this ministry that is gonna be uh, creative evangelism, creative ways to reach people. And it's not gonna be religious stuff, it's gonna be just really creative outside the box. Outside the box. Out the box. Uh, and there's creativity that's, that's coming. And so, Father, I thank you for creativity to breathe creative ideas and insight. You're not gonna have to rack your brain for the ideas. God's gonna drop them in you. He's gonna awaken, actually, they're already inside you. There's seeds inside Travis and the team that God is gonna awaken inside. And that seed's gonna germinate and sprout out. And you're gonna prepare and do what he calls you to do. And you're gonna see harvest through it. So there's a, that's a corporate thing. Now, personally, I believe right now, Holy Spirit is just, just awakening harvesters, saying, you know what, it's time to wake up. It's time to say yes. It's time to say, I'm gonna step into destiny. I'm gonna step into what God's called me to. I'm gonna prepare right now so I don't have to prepare when the time comes. Holy Spirit, what do you want us to prepare? How do you want me to prepare? Why don't you just, let's all stand together. You're watching online, maybe tonight. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking this, Holy Spirit, how do I prepare right now for my harvest, for how you want to use me in harvest? I give you my yes to be a harvester. night you just say you know what I want to I want to be a harvester I want to be I want to see you know my life used in harvest (laughs) just lift your hands up God sees them heaven sees them but just just, just, you're saying yes to say I want to be a harvester and uh, that that means personal harvest in your own life but it also means that God would use you to harvest other people help other people right so father you see the hands you see the hearts saying, yeah, use me, Lord. I want to be a harvester. It's a decision. I'm deciding right now. It takes discipline. Lord, I'm I'm believing and asking for strategy and purpose and and for the process. And it takes dedication that that I would not Because I know I'm going to reap a harvest if I faint not.
0: for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.